Romans chapter 12, we are continuing our short series of purpose, specifically what is the purpose of our church, Renaissance Christian Church, and how each and every one of you who calls this home plays a part in it. Very important and very appropriate since we're going to be going through our membership class uh, starting next month. And again, would really encourage you guys, if you've been here for any time and you're not a member, to come out to that class and find out what it means to be a member. Anyways, that's all I'll say about that. Let's pray and ask God to bless our time together. Lord God, again, we just thank you as we've been singing your praises about everything about you and who you are and the work you've done. I pray, Lord God, that we would truly mean that with our hearts as we sing those words. And I pray today as we open your word that you will continually reveal yourself to us. Show us, Lord God, how to continually know you even more. And Lord God, specifically for this week, we pray that you would show us through your word how we are to serve you within our church. And so we ask for your blessing upon this morning. And we, I pray that you would speak to every heart that's in this room. And it's in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, I pray. Amen. All right. Well, again, open your Bibles to Romans 12. We're going to read verses 1 through 13. And again, the title for this morning's sermon is Purpose. Again, that's our short mini-series theme. And specifically, serving others. And we'll see how that plays into the purpose of our church. So just a quick recap on the purpose of Renaissance Christian Church. The purpose of Renaissance Christian Church, let's start again. There are three things, and the purpose of Renaissance Christian Church is this. Number one, seeking God. And we learned last week, and hopefully you remember what that meant. That meant about seeking God's kingdom, meaning his sovereign rule over our lives, and seeking his righteousness, conforming our life to him and becoming more and more like our Lord. This week we're going to study the second part of that, which is serving others. And then in two weeks we'll, we'll finish our series on sharing the gospel and just as a note for church be in prayer this next weekend me and pastor john and pastor david and our wives will be gone for the weekend we're going to go away on a planning meeting for the church so keep us in prayer that god will speak to us as we're gone and we'll have a guest speaker next week so the church is in the church's hands again just pray for us pray that it'll be a, a good time And that uh, we will hear from the Lord in a mighty way. So, with that said, Romans chapter 12. Let's read through that and then come back and and make a few applicational points in the text. So just by way of background, the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans has just been built up a big case of theology. Of what it means to be saved and what it means to be part of the church. And now comes the action step. Like the therefore, because of all these things that Christ has done, because you're part of a church community, therefore, he says, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present yourself, excuse me, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, 
not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we, who are many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Since we have gifts that differ, differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy according to the, propit- the proportion of his faith, if service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence. Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. So as you can see, Paul gives this laundry list, so to speak, of the things he's calling the church to do. And I want you to notice that from the very beginning, he's speaking to the brethren in the church. So the entire context of this chapter in the book of Romans specifically He's speaking to the church. And so, as you can see, through that, we're going to find our application. And so what exactly is Paul talking about? He's talking specifically about serving each other in the church. And that's a purpose, one of the purposes that we exist. So last week, we spent the whole sermon about seeking after God and what that means to have God's rule in your life, to seek after his kingdom and his righteousness so that's the foundation. So once that takes place, there should be a outgrowth of that. The, so then what? So now that you have all this built up knowledge and, and righteousness, so to speak, how does that play out? How do we have to have an outlet? And he's saying, and this is what he gives us here in the text. So you can see in verses one through three, we'll touch this slightly. It is a call again. It is our call as believers to serve others. Again, Paul's addressing the church. He gives that foundation of where service comes from, right? We've given ourselves to God willingly. We're conforming ourselves to his will. If you go back to verse 2, he says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of mind. That's that seeking God. We're allowing God's word to transform us, right? It's adjusting our thinking. It's a reprogramming of our mind through the power of the Holy Spirit as we seek God. As we get closer to God, God begins to mold us and conform us and to transform the way that we think. We're no longer being conformed to how the world thinks, meaning those outside the church, but we're being conformed to think as God thinks. Again, that's that seeking after God's kingdom, seeking his righteousness. It's a transformation of the way that we think. And Jesus says this to his disciples. You remember in John chapter 13, turn that with turn, turn there with me. Jesus also calls his disciples to serve. And obviously this is where we get our major calling is Jesus tells his disciples. And now the disciples are telling the churches, hey, this is what Jesus taught. Therefore, we are teaching the same thing. So in John chapter 13, specifically in verse 12. We'll start there and look at what Jesus says. 
Jesus says this. So this is after Jesus had, had the, the scene is that Jesus gets up, washes the disciples' feet, and then this is what Jesus says to his disciples. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garment, and reclined at the table again, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for I am. If I then, the Lord and the teacher, wash your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you also should do as I did to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is the one who's, who is sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. So Jesus' call to his disciples is, hey, I've just washed your feet. And I've given you an example, a, a model, so to speak, to imitate. You two, he's like, you guys, if you're my disciples, you call me teacher, you call me Lord, then you should do this to one another. Basically serving one another. Now, this is exactly what the Apostle Paul is talking about in Romans 12. It's like, hey, since we're brothers in the Lord, sisters in the Lord, our outgrowth of that is to serve one another. And so, again, Jesus confirms this calling to his believers. That's our calling. If you're a believer of Christ, then you are to serve one another. That's part of the purpose of being a believer. And that's why we say it's a part of the purpose of our church, is we come here to seek God, to grow spiritually. But we also come to church to serve one another in different capacities. And we'll talk about that a little bit more specifically along with the Apostle Paul. So go back to the text now in Romans chapter 12, specifically in verse 4 now. So after he's, he's saying that, hey, our mind's been transformed, we've been allotted certain types of gifts and faith, he gets into the specifics. So serving others means God's given various gifts to the church body, church universal and individually within, we'll speak about Renaissance Christian Church, there are different gifts that God gives to each and every one of you and to me as well. So let's look at this, what the Apostle Paul says, starting in verse 4. We'll read this again just a little bit and touch on it. Now, I won't elaborate on each gift. That's not the point of this morning's sermon. It's the point is that we have gifts that we need to share amongst one another. So starting in verse 4, he says, For just as we are... Or we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function. He's talking about the human body. We have one body and many parts of the body. He compares that to the church, or he compares the church to the, our physical bodies. He says this, so we who are many are one body in Christ. So the church universal is one body in Christ, meaning every church who calls upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that is saved. We are one body of different denominations, different locations. We're one body in Christ, but specifically in this church, you just look around, we're many members, but we're all one body. We're interconnected together, as he says in the, the rest of verse 5. I like that. Excuse me, verse, yeah, verse 5. He says, so we are many, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individual members one of another. We're part of each other in the church. In Renaissance Church specifically, I'm going to apply that. I'm a part of your life. You're a part of my life. I'm a part of your spiritual growth. You're a part of my spiritual growth. 
We need one another. We're interconnected to one another. That's what we should be to function properly. That's the purpose of our church. Right? And so he goes on in verse 6. He says, since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. In 1 Corinthians 12, he gives a, a graphic example of that. How, hey, the eye, you know, we have an eye, we have a foot. The eye can't be the foot. The foot can't be the eye. We're all different. And we need all that functioning together for our bodies to operate properly. In the same way, we as the church all have different gifts. You know, you're not going to see me leading worship because that wouldn't be very good. You're not going to see me doing some other things in the church because that's not my gifting. I'm supposed to be where my gifting is. And same with you guys as well. But we need all of us working together for us to be healthy and growing spiritually. And so this is the example he's giving. And he gives out some specific examples here in verse 6. So he says this. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy according to the proportion of his faith. So some people have the gift of prophecy. Now, don't think, hey, you're a prophecy means you could tell us what's going to happen in the future. No, that's not what he's saying. It's more of telling the present or proclaiming the prophecy of God's word that foretelling the present, not the future. We're not talking about the future. That's a, a word kind of gives you that understanding, like, you know, tarot cards or something. No, that's not the gift of prophecy at all. That's not what he's talking about. It's information revealed by the prophets. So I, in a sense, or anybody that expounds on the word of God is prophesying to a certain extent. We're foretelling what's going on right now. We're expounding on the word of God or interpreting the word of God for one another. That's what he's talking about with prophecy. So some people have that gift. They can expound on God's word. They can tell you about God's word. You know, and sometimes it some people have it to a great extent, a lesser extent. Sometimes they see things that other people don't see. I would say that would be the gift of prophecy. And then he goes on to another gift. Verse 7, in serving in his service. So there's a gift of serving. You may all you know, think of somebody that comes to mind within our church who's just a servant's heart. They're always serving. They don't have to be the leader they don't have to be the, the one out in front. They're just always serving, going about the Lord's business. Do you need help? They're right alongside of you, coming alongside of you, serving alongside of other people. And believe me, we need a lot of those people. It's kind of like we don't need, what's that phrase? You know, there's, not, there's, not, there's too many chiefs and not enough Indians, that phrase. We need all the servers alongside the chiefs. We need less chiefs, really. We need more servants. So that's what it's talking about. And it goes into another gift, teaching. I think that's self-explanatory. There's people who are gifted in teaching, teaching the kids, teaching our studies throughout the week, teaching here on Sunday morning, uh, teaching the women's study, the men's study. We need all those teachers, and people are gifted in that extent within the church. And then exhortation, somebody who's a good encourager, who come alongside of you and encourage you in your walk. We need that as well, and some people are very gifted at that. And moving on, uh, verse 8, and he who exhorts in his exhortation, and he who gives lift with liberality. There are some people who are just givers. 
giving of their time, giving of their finances. God has blessed them in those areas. They're very hospitable, and they're giving all the time. That is a gift from God as well. Next, it talks about leadership. He who leads. So there's people that are gifted in leadership. It goes on. Uh, let's find it. He who leads with diligence, and he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. There's people who demonstrate mercy towards others. They're compassionate. They, come, they can work with maybe the sick or the elderly. And they're patient. They're very giving. They're merciful towards those people. Providing for the poor. There's people that are gifted in doing those things and love doing those things. That's their ministry. They love doing that. Paul, and, and I want to show you a parallel verse with some other gifts because this isn't an exhausted lift, list of gifts. Here's Paul giving an example of some of the gifts that God has given within the church to help us become healthy. So turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, because in here he gives some, a list of other gifts as well. In first, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 1, he says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, meaning unbelievers, you were led astray to the mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is a curse, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are various gifts, and he goes, he goes into the gifts. But the same Spirit, and there are a variety of ministries, and the same Lord. There are a variety of of effects but the same god who works all things in person so god gives each and one god gives different gifts to different people within the church body and uh, verse seven but to each one is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good and so that's an example of hey you have a gift for the common good of who for the common good of the church Again, the context of the letter is he's writing to the church at Corinth. He's like, I've give, God's given gifts to different people within the church for the common good. And we'll, we'll show you, I'll show you some application of that in a few moments. So just keep that in mind as we move on. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit and to another a word of knowledge according to the same spirit. Now these, again, these gifts, uh, there could be, you know, different thought lines or different thought processes on this. I believe that this is the ability to speak divine words from God, where God is enlightening you on the word of God and you speak forth God's word similar to prophecy and speaking in line with what God has said. And the same with knowledge, ability to understand and to grasp what the scripture says. You realize when you're maybe in a Bible study and some people just to see things leap off the page and they're able to explain those in a better way than maybe some others. I think that's what it's talking about in this, the words of wisdom and the words of knowledge and able to interpret scripture properly. And he goes on. And verse uh, nine, and to another faith by the same spirit. Don't some people, you can think of your life, just have the gift of faith. Like they get through just hard times holding on to God. I think of martyrs in the early church, how they were able to hold on to their faith in the midst of being tortured and persecuted. I think that's an extra gift of faith because we, faith in general is a gift from God, right? But there's a sense where God gives somebody even stronger faith, 
or somebody trusts the Lord even stronger than others. That's a gift given to them by God. And moving on. In verse 10. And to another, the effects of miracles. And to another, prophecy, which we spoke about. And to another, distinguishing of spirits. And to another, various tongues. And to another, an interpretation of tongues. Now here it's talking about healing. That people have the gift of healing. God heals through other people, I believe. Maybe somebody's praying over somebody else and God uses that and heals that person. Now that may come and go. And obviously if somebody had the, I think if somebody really could heal people all the time, they, would, they should be down at the hospital healing people all the time. Not having big tent revivals and charging you to come see them heal people. I don't believe that person has the gift of healing. Sorry. And that goes along the same lines with miracles. God can perform great miracles through people as well. The discerning of spirit, somebody who's in tune spiritually and can detect maybe falsehoods, false doctrines, somebody not being honest or somebody, you know, some of us are really good at distinguishing that. Hey, there's something going on over there. I remember one time uh, we were up at Yosemite. I may have told you this story before, me and my wife. And uh, we were going into like a, an old Indian campground where they have these little ad, like adobe things. And they have those, uh, I forgot, I think called sweat rooms. I think that's what they're called. And um, we didn't know what it was. And I'm like, yeah, let's go in there. You know, I walk in there. And Mindy like stops at the door and it's like, nah, I don't want to go in there. I'm like, why? She's like, I mean, it just doesn't feel right. Something, she felt this presence. And then I go outside and I read, you know, how there's little stands there and tells you what this is. I'm like, oh, they would come here and and dance and sing and invoke spirits. And so she, my wife, is very apt. And and I think she has that gift of distinguishing spirits, like a darkness of something that's going on. So she's probably kept me out of a lot of trouble for that. Hey, don't go over there. There's something going on there because I'm like, oh, that looks fun. You know. So God's put us together to, to keep me safe. And uh, I'm still trying to figure out what I'm supposed to do for her. But no, I'm just kidding. So she has that gift. And some people have the gift of tongues, speaking in a tongue, a language of the, of the Lord. I, I believe that's real. I haven't. There are some people that believe, hey, that gift doesn't exist anymore. Uh, I, I, I don't know. That's up for debate. I, I haven't seen that, that it's not real. I don't know why God would not allow that. Um, and so, again, we're not going to get into that too much. And then there's other people who can interpret those tongues. So if somebody speaks in tongues in a church service, then somebody is supposed to stand up and then give you an interpretation of that tongue. What, are that, what is that person saying? You know, and if nobody has that gift, then that person's to sit down. You're not supposed to have a church service where everybody just goes off speaking in tongues and there's no interpretation of it. That's not scriptural. And unfortunately, there's some churches that do that. They just say, hey, let's just worship the Lord. And everybody just stands up and starts speaking in tongues. You know, this, you know, whatever it is. There's no interpretation of it. That's not what the Bible, Bible gives orderly descriptions of how church service is supposed to be performed. And so when somebody stands up and speaks in tongues, there's supposed to be someone that interprets that tongue. Because nobody's knowing what that person is saying. So, again, these are some gifts, and they're all for what reason? The common good to edify the church. None of these gifts are given to us so that we can boast about ourselves. 
or say, hey, look how great I am, or look at the ministries that I'm in, or hey, uh, look what God's done for me. He's given me this great gift, and aren't I a great person? No, they're for the common good and for the glorification of God. And again, we're all called to exercise these gifts. So let's go back to our text again in Romans chapter 12. And let's look at verse, uh, let's start in verse 10. Because the next point that I want to make is in serving others, again, we're called to, as believers, to do this. God has given specific gifts to each and every member, and we're supposed to exercise those gifts in the local church. So if you have a gift given to you by God, you are supposed to be exercising that in the church. Look at verse 10. He says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. If you're devoted to one another in brotherly love, you most likely or you should express that within the church. You and I as believers are brothers and sisters in the Lord. And we're to be devoted to each other, serving one another in the church. And he goes on to say, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. So put the other person ahead of yourself. Not lagging behind in diligence. So be diligent in doing it. Be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, tribulation, devoted to prayer. So all these things are done in communion. We're devoted to prayer for each other. I'm so glad that we have a group of people that come on Monday nights and are devoted to prayer. Even if it's just one or two of them, they're devoted to prayer. They gather all their prayer requests and they're praying for us as a church. We need that. That's a part of our church that we, we've had, and then we dropped off, and now we have it again. I hope that it continues. It's a vital part of the church. We should be devoted to prayer, but not corporately, also individually, you and me, praying for one another uh, when we have the opportunities to do so. And concluding here in verse 13, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. And again, this is in the context of the church. You're not saying, yeah, I'm hospitable, so I have friends over in my house. No, this is within the church he's speaking to. Being hospitable within the church body, contributing to the needs of the saints. Those are the believers within the church. We're called to exercise those gifts. So we serve one another with passion. We serve one another emotionally. We invest in each other's lives. And you could only do that when? When you spend time together. And then you tangibly invest in one another. That's why it says contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. Those are tangible things that we can do for one another. And you're like, well, I don't know what the needs of the saints are. Well, part of giving to the church is that God's put leadership in head of the church, like me and the other two elders, where we're aware of the needs of the church, and you're trusting that God is speaking to us, and we take care of those needs. Or people come to us and tell us about their needs, and we're able to, you know, spend money wisely. And that's why we pray, like, hey, Lord, when you give us money, help us to spend it according to your will and be wise with the finances of this church. But you're doing your part. You're giving to the church. You're contributing to the needs of the saints, and you're trusting the leadership of the church to handle the money correctly. So your part is done. You're giving faithfully. You're giving what God has called you to give, 
and you allow the Lord to speak to the leadership to spend that money wisely for the church. So you're called to exercise these gifts in the church. And when all this is happening, what's going on within the church? Well, we're functioning properly. Just like if every part of your body is doing what it's supposed to do, you're healthy. When one part of your body breaks down, then what happens? We get sick or unhealthy. So same thing. That's why Paul compared it to the body is that we are members of one another and we each need to be functioning. And one of the best descriptions of this can be found in the book of Ephesians. Turn with me. Ephesians chapter four, verses 11 through 16. Here the Apostle Paul is explaining how the church functions properly because of what Christ has given to the church, and then everybody within the church is functioning proper. Look at what he says. He says, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers. So those are different gifts within the church and in the past as well. I don't believe there are modern-day apostles anymore, but there can be those prophets, again, who proclaim God's word, forth-telling, there obviously are teachers and evangelists and pastors. So he gave some of those for what reason? Look at verse 12. For the equipping of the saints for the work of service. So those positions within the church are given to help build up the saints, which is everybody else in the church, to build up each other. For what purpose? For the work of service, so that you can go out and serve. And look at verse the rest of that verse, to the building up the, of the body of Christ. So you serve, again, within the church. So the purpose of our church, and we believe the church universal, is that God has given gifts to the church so that we share them for the common good, we build each other up, and we serve one another. Until when? How long do we do that? Like, you know, what, That's what I was thinking. What's my commitment level here? Am I like on a six-month contract or three-month contract? Well, look at verse 13. Until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to the mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. How long is that? Who's attained maturehood into Christ to the fullest? Raise your hand. Okay, so we're not done, church. We continually serve one another until we obtain that. Until we're fully mature in Christ. Again, we're seeking God together to mature in Christ. And part of that process is us being here and then relying on one another to serve each other so that we can obtain that. And then look at the result of that in verse 14. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves, carried about by every word of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by the craftiness and deceitful scheming. See, one of the reasons that we build each other up so that we can understand who God is so that when we hear false doctrine, we can notice it right away. And we help each other. We keep each other accountable on track so that we don't fall away and we're not deceived by false doctrines or the things of this world. We, ha we stay close to one another, hold each other accountable. And I mentioned this last week. There's, there's really no such thing in Scripture as the Christian that's all by himself and he has his own spirituality and he does things or she does things his or her way. 
No, the New Testament writers knew nothing of that. Every letter in the New Testament is written to either a church or to an individual leader of a church. That's the context. There's the church community. What we're doing today is what God expects us to do, to operate and function like this. So that we can grow up. And we do this in verse 15. Look at this. But speaking the truth in love. So we speak truthfully to one another because we're brothers and sisters with love. We want to encourage one another because we love one another. We, you know, I as a pastor want you here in church because I love you. I care about your spirituality. I want you to grow up in Christ, serve one another, be part of the body. And I hope you feel the same way, too, about your brothers and sisters within the church, that you miss them when they're not here. You hope we always, hey, we hope they're okay, they're doing well. You know, we, we ask you, hey, we miss you. You know, where have you been? Those types of things, because we care. We do it in love. <clears throat> right? But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head of the church, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, again, there's those individual members working together, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. So the pastor, for example, is just talking about, I'm here to share God's word with you, to equip you to grow closer to Christ, to help you find your calling in Christ, and then you go out and serve each other within the church. You serve me, you serve the other elders, you serve the body, individuals, the person next to you, children's ministry, junior high ministry, high school ministry, men's ministry, women's ministry, all those things are working together to help us grow up. And so that's why we're always encouraged to be a part of that, because we want you to grow up in Christ. We want you to uh, exercise your gifts. When you're not here and you're not doing that, we're missing out as a body. Because, again, I don't have the gifts that every one of you have. We all have different gifts. And so we need to be doing that together to grow up and help us function properly. So with that said, let's close with some points of application here. How can we serve at Renaissance? So we've been talking a lot about gifts. We're talking about the purpose of it. So how does that play out here at church? Well, there are three, there are three things that I want to say about this. Number one. How can you serve at church? How can you serve at Renaissance? Number one, provide for each other. We talked about that, providing for one another. And that can be done in a couple ways. Number one, faithfully giving to the church helps provide for one another. Again, as there's needs that come up within the church, and we have the financial resources to give and to help those people, you're a part of that. That's counted as a blessing to you as a reward for you that one day you'll see a reward for that. Now, you don't give so you can get a reward. You give because God's called you to give and you want to be part of that ministry. So you faithfully give to the church so that we can do all the things that we do so we can have a building. The lights can be on. We have a sound system and children's ministry. And then in the summer, you know, we have VBS and all those things cost money and we need to finance those things. And we help people as well. Every Christmas, we're able to help a few families, a couple within the church, and, and then we choose one outside the church that we know about to help them financially. So providing for each other means faithfully giving to the church. Another way that you can provide for one another is, fi is find out what 
everybody needs. When you're in fellowship, when you're in one of those Bible studies, you find out and you hear what the needs of the church are. Or if you go on Monday night to the prayer group, you hear the needs of everybody within the church. That gives us prayer requests. So the point is you have to show up, though, to do those things. You have to be here. You have to, to be part of our church to provide for each other, understand what the needs are of the church. Secondly, another way that we serve at our church in Renaissance is to encourage each other. And we've mentioned this throughout this morning's sermon. We're here to encourage one another, and we do that by praying for each other. You know, not just praying in church service, but out, you know, out in the foyer or in, you know, after church, you'll see people praying for each other. And I just want to remind you, also, we pray, we have a group of people after the service that will always be over there to pray for you, whatever you need. If it's related to the message or you just need prayer, there'll be people over there. They, that's their gift. They want to pray. Don't leave them over there alone. Let them exercise their gift to pray for you. We want to do that. They, they love praying. They want to pray for you, whatever the case may be. So, and they want to encourage you through those prayers. Another way that we can encourage one another is just spending time with each other. How many times have you left the Bible study being encouraged? Like, man, I'm so glad that I made it. That's how we encourage one another, spend time with one another. Even just hanging out as friends within the church. It doesn't have to just be on Sundays. You know, just going out together with your brothers and sisters and hanging out as families or whatever the case may be, that's encouraging as well. And thirdly and lastly, help the church mature by serving in a ministry. Again, we mature when everybody's functioning, when every ministry is functioning properly. And believe me, even though we're a small church, I can tell you, we have a lot of needs. Just ask me or Pastor David or Pastor John, hey, what are the needs and where can I serve? Uh, we'll try to help you in that area. There, there's just needs that abound within the church. I, I'm tempted to just blurt out a bunch of stuff, but I'm going to refrain from doing that. But we want you to serve in ministry. How long is that? I don't know. That just depends between you and maybe whoever's over that ministry. Maybe just donating time of some sort once in a while. Every little bit helps. Even though, again, even though we're small, there's a lot of things that, you know, that are in my head that I want to do. And like in next week's meeting with the, with the pastors and our wives, I'm just going to blurt out a bunch of stuff and hope somebody goes and does it. Because that's the way I roll. I'm not like the actual doer of those things. <laughs> That's not my gift, doing things. <laughs> no, just kidding. I'm like, I could, le- I, you know, I could hold the banner and say, let's go, let's go do it. And, and I'm hoping there's people behind me that are <laughs> wanting to do it, you know, because they're gifted in doing those things, you know. Like, I could do it, but it's not, it's going to be like, and Mindy can tell you, my wife, I'm like more like, yeah, that's good enough. That looks good. But no, it's not perfect, you know. Somebody with a gift on whatever they're doing God, I remember when we first moved into this church, and we were hanging this thing. And I'm back there. I'm like, yeah, that looks good. And our brother Dave Guido's like, no, man, that thing's got to be, like, it's off just a little bit, and it's, like, perfect. And, and Mindy's the same way in our house and stuff. And so I, those of you that I've made furniture for, I hope it works. Because I'm like, that's good enough. That's good. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You, anyways. I don't know where the point was of that, but yeah, my ministry, yeah, I don't know. We'll just move on. 
So how can we serve at Renaissance Church? Three ways again. Provide for each other, encourage one another, and help the church mature by serving in the ministry. I pray that God will speak to your heart today and throughout this week about where you can serve at our church. If you're part of this church, we want you to serve. Again, not, you know, because I need help, which I do, but because it helps you grow. It helps each and every one of us that are next to you grow, and we mature up in Christ. And so that's why we come together to worship with our worship with our brothers and sisters, to seek God, serve others, and we'll see in a few weeks, share the gospel. Let's pray. Lord God, again, we thank you so much for gathering us together today. We thank you for your word, how it's just so relevant and powerful. And I, I pray, Lord God, that this morning's sermon has spoken to each and every heart here, especially those of us who call Renaissance Christian Church our home. I pray, Lord, that you will show them throughout this week and even today and maybe even now their gifts. Some people, we just don't know our gifts. And I pray, Lord God, that you would reveal that to them, that they would be encouraged by a brother and sister in this church that would help them discover their gifts. And Lord God, that you would point them to a ministry within our church and, how to, and where to serve and exercise those gifts. For we need each and every person, Lord God, in order that we might mature in Christ and we might grow according to your will. And most of all, we might bring honor and glory to you as a church and as individuals. I thank you, Lord God, for every person who's here this morning. And again, I just pray for them and ask that you would speak to them, show them their gifts and give them an opportunity to exercise those gifts for your glory and for the common good of our church. And we pray this in your name.